This is a Soulfire production. Yo, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Politically Homeless. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. I got my ass in the studio at about 4.30 this morning, and I'm feeling good about it. Headed to Austin today. Headed back to my old home, old stomping grounds. I'm excited. Going down there to see some friends, do some things, probably eat some barbecue, maybe twist one off. Who knows? Who knows? Could be wild. You know, the, uh, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl was this last weekend and I don't really watch much sports anymore. I used to be really into sports. I was a sports, I enjoyed sports, but I played sports and then I just kind of got over football. I think my use of psychedelics probably contributed to that. Like I just kind of got over it. Um, I like college football more than the NFL, but really the, this Super Bowl is about much more than the football game, even though as far as Super Bowls go, it was a really good game. I enjoyed watching it, but the halftime show, um, I thought it was really good. I mean, of course, I'm in that age demographic where that was a lot of the music that I listened to growing up. So I dug it. Um, and I remember thinking, you know, this really like celebrates black culture in a way that's not heavy handed. And that doesn't really seem to be even the intention of this. Maybe it was, um, but it didn't really seem to be the overt intention. It just did it. They just did it. And it got me thinking about things. Now, of course, I remember watching it being like, oh, my God, conservatives are going to find something in here to be upset about, right? So Charlie Kirk said it was like sexual anarchy, which it didn't seem that sexual to me at all. Um, <laughs> at all, unless you thought, you know, little thick 50 cent was, was and did something to you. Maybe Charlie Kirk got a little uncomfortably aroused at, you know, 50 cent. I don't know. But the whole thing, you know, I was like, they're going to find something to complain about. And then there was this whole Eminem kneeling thing. And people tried to get that thing to take off. And no one had a fuck to give about Eminem kneeling. And no one really knew what it was about or how that was. Like, there's so many. It could be the way he ends shows. I don't know. I have zero idea. Also, don't have a fuck to give. Like, if he wants to kneel at the end of a thing, like, who cares? And it, was, it may have been a nod to Colin Kaepernick. Shut the fuck up. No one cares. Like, fine. Is this, and even my, my friend Amir said this. I was talking about, uh, posted that meme of Charlie from, from or that photo of Charlie from, um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia with the yarn and he's all freaked out and tweaked out on huffing glue and shit. And this is like people trying to find something to be pissed off about. And that was, to me, it was so appropriate. It's like, dude, we got to, you got to stop. Like, we're in that gear. We're in that place as a as a culture of like, let me find. I'm not pissed off about the thing I was pissed off about last week. I got to find the new thing to be pissed off about. Ah, it's like, gee, there's enough stuff out there to get pissed about if you really want to dig into it. Um, probably has nothing to do with Eminem. Probably Eminem probably isn't the best target, you know. And I thought it was cool that that Eminem. A lot of those people out that were out there, Fifty Cent, Kendrick, Eminem. A lot of those guys were uh, discovered by and really propped up by Dre. I think he produced their music. I'm not sure about how that goes, but it's just icons. It was also weird to see 
people being old. <laughs> like these are people that were, you know, my age uh, when I was young, and now I feel old, and they're older, and it's like, man, you know. But some of the old old people out there that have been around forever uh, seem to just not want to die. You know, Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi. I was talking to Kelly. I was like, I'm just ready for all of them to just be gone. Like it's it's a sad and kind of like frustrating thing to say, but I'm like Trump, Biden, Hillary Clinton, Mitch McConnell, uh, Pelosi. Like, punch that ticket, dog. Like, let's 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 move on to the new generation. These fucking boomers are they just hold on? They're just holding on. And I listened to uh, I don't know if you guys ever. I used to watch. Uh, quite a bit of like a liberal independent media. So I would, the, the humanist report never really did it for me. I would watch, I still watch Kyle Kalinske to an extent. I used to like the young Turks a lot back in, back in the day. But as I've said here before, Trump kind of broke their brain and many people's brain, especially on the, like he undermined both sides of the political spectrum in a really interesting way. And it may be for the, for the good overall. Um, but I was watching this, uh, this, this guy on the humanist report, and he's such a pussy. It was like, dude, he, like it's a, it was a crybaby journalism is what it was. It's just like, this is Joe Rogan's a boomer and he's disconnected and he's a full conservative now. And I'm like, dude, shut, shut up. I just want to whisper in their ear, just be like, shut the fuck up. Stop it. Maybe that can be, maybe I'll get on cameo and you can just send a cameo of me to someone just telling them to shut the fuck up. That's actually a really good idea. I'm sitting on a gold mine here. Just be like, hey, chill, okay? There's like more around you. There's life around you that you can be enamored by. And that leads me to that kind of this conclusion that everybody needs to take some LSD. Everybody needs to take some LSD, maybe mushrooms. I don't know, one or the other, but enough, right? A full hit of LSD or like two and a half grams of mushrooms, three grams of mushrooms. We need to have a day. Like the purge, kind of like the purge, but instead of murdering each other, Everyone just does psychedelics. And these people that want to be pissed off all the time can like sit in their front yard or backyard or apartment, whatever. doesn't matter. You want to sit in your apartment, just watch National Geographic. Right? Just like look at something amazing. And be like, wow, there's beauty all around us. I don't have to be fucking pissed about everything all the time. And maybe that's weird coming from me because I seem to be pissed about a lot of things a lot of the time. But, you know, I try and balance it out. I'm not searching for things to be pissed about or don't feel like I am. They just kind of slap me in the face. But it, it, it is, it is, it's getting to be exhausting. You know, and I posted this thing yesterday, which I was really conflicted about, about kind of losing a friend over this whole COVID thing and really, you know, apologizing for being a dick trying to get together with this person and like yeah, just get a beer or coffee or something. Just be like, let's just hash this out. And like in this kind of bantering uh, respectfully, like the COVID thing is what it is. We're here now. You were right about things. I was right about things. We don't need to keep a scorecard. Let's just be done with this. And um, after apologizing for being a condescending dick, which again, I am sometimes and can be, especially when somebody's, not really backing up their position with data um, <laughs> and just an understanding or an, an uh, upgraded or kind of current understanding of what the fuck is going on to pair with their incredibly strong opinions about what's going on. That frustrates me, of course. But 
Uh, the apology I got was, I'm sorry that I inferred that you were an idiot because this person had said this is the really this whole thing kicked off and went sideways when she was like, these unvaccinated people are idiots. And I was like, um, excuse me, excuse me. Don't appreciate that. And I took it personally, of course. She also apologized that I took it personally. And I said, and then, and then accused me of being, accused me of being manipulative and gaslighting and uh, blackmailing, <laughs> which I didn't make any sense, and attacking her family and her career. I was like, what? This is, and it was the funny thing. It is, it's, I get in these, these, sometimes I get in these situations. And this is the second, like, white liberal female friend that I've kind of, like, had to part ways with in the past, oh, year and a half or so. And you look at it and it's like, listen, man, I'm not, like, mad at you necessarily you know what I mean it's like I don't dislike you um I don't appreciate the name calling whenever you don't really feel like you have an adequate response to a converse to to a to a to to a position and people conservative it it felt like and I I don't want to leave the conservatives out of this I think me and Bill Maher have a pretty good um track record of kind of pointing this both ways because it wasn't that in my lifetime this that that kind of style of conversation has shifted to the, to the left. It didn't seem to be that way growing up. And maybe I'm wrong about that. I wasn't necessarily like super engaged outside of listening to Rush Limbaugh at work, um, <laughs> which was probably not the most helpful thing, but you know, incredible broadcaster, interesting and kind of weird takes on, on reality. But um, this idea of like name calling as a default, right. Or accusing someone of some kind of manipulation or, or, or narcissistic tendency whenever you're cornered in a discussion. It seems to be a very liberal slash Christian thing, right? There's a, those two people, those two groups of people, and I know there's a lot of Christians in my audience, and I, pre, I appreciate the hell out of you guys, but you guys still know who I'm talking about, right? There's those people. Um who want it's a, it's like an ultimate straw man but done so in a way that it's like a straw man kind of projection while also defending your own victimhood and we're in this kind of like victim olympic situation and it's really it's just been going on for years and i've noticed this you know 5 or 6 years ago just this kind of <sighs> competitive victimhood that i think is really a problem and it's perpetuated in many ways um, by a lot of different, from a lot of different angles. I'm not going to say it's coming from one side of the political spectrum or the other because it comes from both. Right. And, and you, it manifests itself in a different way in the same way that virtue signaling manifests itself in, in many different ways. You know, taking, doing your political ad with a AR is virtue signaling right to the right. Um, doing it with rainbow flags is virtue signaling to, to the left. It is just is what it is. Um, and in the same way, this kind of like victimness, right? It's like us, everybody's out to get me is pretty, it spans the political spectrum and it just, it's, it, it's, it's a problem. Now people on the right will say that that's a, that's a left wing ideology, but then they'll do the same thing and complain about big tech and censorship. And these same people were, you know, a lot of these the, the Republican leadership, a lot of them were around whenever the NSA powers were expanded and surveillance, uh, domestic surveillance was expanded and they voted for those kind of things. So I don't really feel that they are principled actors and I don't think they really ever gave a fuck about an oligarchy and the problems that go along with oligarchical powers um, until they came after them. 
right? When it came after the working class, they didn't really seem to give a shit, right? When it drove prices up for normal working people of the country, they didn't really seem to give a shit. But whenever they can't say what they want on Twitter, now they're upset. So I don't really give a fuck, right? I would like to antitrust enforcement across the board, but we keep, you know, filling the, the Supreme Court with people that <laughs> have a track record of not enforcing such things. So what do you want to do? I, I, it just makes me not care what you have to say, Ted Cruz, right? Like, do you think Amy Coney Barrett is going to side with workers on anything? No. <laughs> She's going to enforce antitrust laws? No. Because for some people, they don't understand that monopolistic power and oligarchical power kind of runs contrary to the, to the tenets of capitalism and a free market society. I feel like that's abundantly obvious. Um, but, you know, the majority of our Supreme Court does not. And that's interesting. But guys, I'm going to throw this out there. I think you should join the Patreon. I think you should jump in the Patreon, support the show, support an independent creator like myself, just a lowly independent creator. Of course, this cameo business idea that just we just came up with in the intro where I tell your friends to calm the fuck down, um, that could be great. But in the meantime, the Patreon's growing. We've got a few new people in this, this month. It's been good. We've had some really fun questions, some really fun engagements, and we've started dropping the Thought Criminal episodes in there early. I mean, we don't even have music picked out for the show yet. We're working on that right now, so we're just going in there. We're raw-dogging it, baby. Just straight from the jump. No frills. All conversation. And the Thought Criminals conversations, uh, my goal with those is 90 minutes to two hours. In that kind of time frame, of course, it could go longer. It could be a little shorter. But that gives us enough room to kind of naturally explore the conversation. And in my experience of podcasting over the last five or six years or so is that the conversations really get good after an hour. Right? An hour, you can kind of like set the table for what you're doing here, but you really dive in in that second hour. And I, I enjoy the fuck out of that. So we've got some really cool guests. Sal Stefano's coming up. He got his Instagram uh, taken away for a while, so he's an Instagram timeout. So I'm kind of holding off on his. Um, but we've got some fun things. We get to explore things that are maybe not political or maybe kind of politically adjacent um, in some fun ways. So Thought Criminals episodes are in the Politically Homeless Patreon. Jump in there. Check it out. It's patreon.com slash politically homeless. The link is in the show notes of this show. It helps me create more and do more and get better guests and maybe fly some people out, which I'm really excited. If we get this thing really popping off, uh, more in-person interviews or something, even when people come through uh, Denver, maybe some comedians or different speakers want to grab those people and, uh, and get them on the show. So... The more people on the Patreon, the more the more quality conversations. It's kind of a, a little positive feedback loop within itself there. So join it. Check it out if you're into this kind of thing. If you want that bonus content every week, you know, AMAs every week, ad-free episodes every week of Thought Criminals and Politically Homeless. I mean, it's a good offer. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Politically Homeless. Now let's get to the state of things, baby. So, I mean, I guess we're getting close to the midterms now. We're going to start thinking about 2024. The uh, complete decimation of the Democratic Party in the midterms will probably um, have people reevaluating what should happen in 2024. Um, I don't think a Democrat 
will win or can win just based on where we're at now. We've got a lot things can happen. We got a couple years here to figure this out and people will start rising to the top here. But um, it's pretty clear that the majority of the country does not want Biden or Trump to be their candidate. Um, and I think this is really, this is actually a really well done poll by CNN, which you won't hear me say that very often. Um, but CNN poll, neither Biden or Trump has the party's full support for a 2024 run. Now, of course, no one's going to have the party's full support, but we got to keep this in mind and just get kind of like, this is significant, right? Because you have these, you know, <laughs> the corpse of Joe Biden is the leader of, of the Democratic Party in name at least. And then you have uh, Trump who has captured a significant part of the conservative base and, and they are loyal to Trump before the Republican party. So you're in this kind of weird position and the Democrats don't have a figure like that. Like, like Biden never could really fill those shoes and, and become this kind of key figure in the Democratic party, even though he won the election and yes, he won the election. Um, the, the, the idea that it's hard to believe how Trump could lose the election, it baffles me. It, it was abundantly obvious that you just had to be a person that wasn't Trump that like hid in a basement and that like it says more about Trump than it does about Biden as far as the election goes. Um, any of you were around the show at the time didn't pull punches when it came to Biden, like went at, went at the dude hard. It continued to go at the dude pretty hard, uh, but especially during that primary as a Bernie Sanders supporter was devastated. It was just like watching that guy get robbed twice um, was rough. Because, I mean, at the, at, the, at the end, he should have been the candidate, right? And if you think that we wouldn't be better off with a Bernie Sanders right now, you're fucking wrong. People that say that Biden is just a he's, a, he's a puppet for Bernie Sanders is one of the most ridiculous and comical things I've ever seen in my life. It makes no sense and has no basis in reality. So if somebody says that, just know that they're, completely full of shit. But anyways, let's get into this article here. A significant number of both Democrats and Republicans currently hope to see their parties find alternative uh, alternatives to President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump in the next presidential election, according to a new CNN poll conducted by SSRS. But very few have specific candidates in mind. That's what a primary is for. Underscoring how distant and um, potentially malleable the 2024 race remains. And I think there will be some surprises in 2024. I think things will get shaken up. I think the chaos that has has kind of gripped our reality right now will also kind of manifest itself in the political primaries. It's going to be savage. Republicans know now because of how outlandish Trump was. I mean, even me thinking about running in, in for Congress, right, in Colorado later on, um, I have a, I've, I've I have podcasts out in the world and this is just, I'm, I'm not taking them down talking about threesomes and cocaine and like ayahuasca and all kinds of crazy shit, right? We have a whole, we have done a whole podcast episodes about butt stuff. Like I've just done some crazy shit. So like, there's not any shortage of ammunition if you want to do a hit job. Right. Um, but I own that stuff and it's like, Hey, this is a part of my life. I'm a real person. Like I, I, the transparency is why people like me, you know, it is, it's, it's, it's part of the appeal or why people hate me. It goes both ways. Um, but I would have never thought that I was uh, capable of running for political office until you have a guy who is caught on a hot mic saying, grab him by the pussy uh, in the White House. And I'm like, well, maybe things are possible. <laughs> maybe all things are possible through Christ, right? <laughs> so it's just a weird, it's kind of a weird juxtaposition where you're like, I guess just, I guess I could do it. You know, like this guy, you know, fucks porn stars. Like I, that's that's like openly, you know? And, and get his, I mean, the president of the United States had his dong 
criticized by Stormy Daniels. <laughs> like, this is, we live in a fucking clown world, so it's like, why the hell not? Anyways, the survey conducted in January and February found 45% of Democrat and Democrat-leaning voters wanted to see the party renominate uh, Biden in 2024, while 54, 51% preferred a different candidate. That, that's more support in the party for Biden among Yoder, uh, Yoders. Voters 45 and older, where 52 want to see, 52% want to see him the nominee again. Voters of color, 55%, and voters without college degrees, 51%, um, blah, 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 blah. Just a lot of numbers. I should just put a chart up here. Why is there not an informative chart here? There's also a gap between the 48% of self-identified Democrats who want to see Biden renominated and the third of Democrat-leaning independents who felt the same. So one-third of Democrat-leaning independents or left-leaning independents want to see Biden renominated, which to me, the independents say more than the partisans. Because there's kind of this obligation, there's confirmation bias, there's a little bit of a team component, where if you're an independent, that's why I love this kind of politically homeless perspective, is because I have the freedom now to not have to overcome any team allegiances to vote for who I think is best for the country. And that is not a partisan conversation. That is a completely subjective um, decision made at the time based upon where the country's at and where I feel the country is going. Um, so I think your vote's not so much to like make sure your team wins. It's to help steer the country in the most positive direction based on your subjective experience. That's what voting is to me. Um, the 2024, 2024 support for Biden is concentrated amongst the ardent backers in the party. So it's the, the support for him is the partisan self-described committed Democrats probably who have a Fauci sign in their yard. While 70% of Democratic voters who strongly approve of the way he's handling jobs said they'd like to see him nominated, that drops to 35% among Democrats who say they approve moderately. So the people who are like, yeah, I guess he's doing a fine job right now, whatever, like pretty indifferent, 35% of them want to see him renominated. So what you're seeing in there is people that are really unsatisfied or critical or just kind of like indifferent with Biden really are, are hungry for political engagement and somebody that they feel speaks for them. And I think that that's really important and something to note when it comes to the primaries going into 2024 um, and hoping Biden just steps away and creates kind of more of an open primary format there so they don't have to overcome an incumbent president. And I think he will be 82 years old soon. So at that time, so that's like, and he's already like, gone downhill quickly that's not that's not a controversial statement it's a problem so you're seeing there's like there is a hunger just based on the polling there is a hunger for someone who like kind of captures people's attention in kind of the same way that bernie did um maybe not to the that extreme uh even though i don't believe his views are all that extreme <laughs> personally but uh on the world stage anyways but there's um there's something brewing there and i think that could really manifest itself in something really cool like you know potentially Mark Cuban running as for president, which I would absolutely love. And he would have probably have my full support across the aisle. Republicans and Republican leaning voters are about evenly split between wanting their party to renominate Trump and wanting a different candidate. And it's 50 to 49. So that's within the margin of error. So you basically have a 50, 50 split, um, which isn't that much different than, than what's going on with the 52 to 48. So it's like, we're all, it's really close, but that does say a lot about where we're at. A majority of Republicans, 54%, favored Trump compared to um, 38% of Republican-leaning independents. And again, the independents speak volumes here because getting those independent swing voters is the way in many states that you win that state and those electoral votes. 
Continued support for the former president within the GOP is also particularly strong among white voters without college degrees and those who falsely claim that Biden's 2022 victory was illegitimate. 64% of people who think that there was um, voter fraud want to see Trump renominated. That actually seems kind of low to me. <laughs> I feel like that would be like an 80 to 90% situation, but um, <laughs> I guess that's good. I don't know. The next presidential primaries are, of course, almost two years away, and these poll findings are are no prediction of what the nomination process will, process will look like for them. What they do provide is a glimpse of the current state of part of the parties. Both are divided over whether to rally behind their current flag bearers, but neither has anointed an alternative as of yet. Now they go down here and they talk about what people wanted for alternatives and people were just like, the majority were all anybody but Trump or anybody but Biden. Just somebody else needs to rise through the primary process and take that mantle. Um, but the one name on the conservative side, on the Republican side, that really showed up with, I think, 21% support was Ron DeSantis. And I think that's worthwhile in noting. Um, COVID has captured everybody's consciousness and brain, right? They've, it's, 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 it's got us on lockdown. And that being said, um, I don't know much about DeSantis outside of his COVID response, which, of course, I deal with. And I, but I want to be critical here and keep an open mind because just based on that, the dude could win. Right, but I don't really feel I, I feel like he's a, another neocon and kind of a Trumpian figure, which he's I, I like him better than Trump to be completely frank. But that being said, I, I really don't know if I am in support of him being the president of the United States. I don't think that that's like I don't see myself. I mean, I'm not saying I couldn't vote for him. I just don't know enough about him, and I want to withhold my judgment outside of COVID. Right, because the COVID response. I mean, in two years, I'm hoping this landscape looks much different. And after the shellacking the Democrats are going to get in the midterms because of their idiotic decision making, um, it could be a completely different framework. I'm looking at someone. I think one of the only people that would be able to get in there and actually decrease government power, maybe decrease some spending, maybe decrease government revenue, which I think would be great, kind of reset the stage. I think the only person who has the principles to do that would be Rand Paul. And kind of the, uh, he's, he's accepted his kind of role as a contrarian, and he's, but he doesn't have, he's not going to come out there and, and start swinging and throwing, you know, throwing insults around and getting the attention. So I, I think that's going to be almost necessary to win a Republican primary, as unfortunate as that is. You've got, to, you've got to almost like adopt that Trumpian personality, which I don't think Rand has, and DeSantis does have. DeSantis will pop off and say some shit and just kind of like keep it. And his, I think it's petty. I think it'd be nice to have someone who maybe doesn't, like meets us in the middle, right? Like Biden is a complete wet blanket, and Trump was a, was a wild card, and was a, it was just obnoxious. Um, somewhere in the middle of like a respectful human being that we can look at and be like, I can look at my kids and be like, hey, you, you know, tell my kids, like, hey, that's our president, and be kind of like proud of the way they're behaving. Um, that would be nice. You know, I don't have kids yet, but if I did, I want them to be able to look at the president and say, hey, that's a person I would like for you to emulate in some way. I think that's important. Uh, maybe that's a pie-in-the-sky pipe dream, like, <laughs> but... It doesn't seem like I'm asking for too much to, to have a president that conducts himself with some kind of respect or herself. Excuse me. Um, I'd like to see a female president. You know, if Tulsi Tulsi I'm split on right now, but like I'd like to see, um, I'd like to see what she has to do, do say in the primary. I don't think she's going to run as a Democrat again. If I were her, if I was her, I wouldn't. Wouldn't. The DNC has already proven they will fuck her over. And I think that there's a way better chance for her to do something on the conservative side. Uh, and she checks a lot of boxes for them. I think she would win overwhelmingly as a veteran, as a woman of color, 
um, well-spoken, but still it's not like, doesn't have that wham bam personality. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I would like a little diplomacy. I'd like some calm, but I would like shit to get done. And really you have two years to do that because the house will probably flip again. The Senate will probably flip again in the midterms as it always does. It's that back and forth. So you've got about a year to get some stuff done and you need somebody in there who has been around, has the experience and has the fucking game plan to get in there and get their agenda accomplished. And I don't see that in DeSantis because I don't think COVID's going to be as relevant in two years. And I think we're going to see his kind of star fade. That's my prediction now. But I'm really curious about this. And I think this says a lot. This is actually, to me, a net positive, right? Looking at this and saying, hey, neither one of these people who are, you know, the staples of the party in certain ways have the support of the independents or even a, a sheer majority um, of their party based in this polling. So really interesting stuff here. Uh, want to keep, want to keep kind of a, a finger on the pulse of this just to see where it goes. Um, but there's lots to talk about and a lot to think about. We got a long way to go, but the midterms will dictate a lot of this. And I'm really curious and excited uh, to get into that midterm season. So I want to just do a quick overview of this Canadian trucker protest thing. Uh, I think some trucks are getting moved. Some things are getting clear. The siege has been lifted in some certain ways. Um, but they got some things they wanted, which I think was really cool. They kind of abandoned the vaccine passport thing. Really cool cool to see how you can just like become a pain in the ass via protest, nonviolent protest. And you can get called everything under the sun from a small French minority to white supremacists to all kinds of other shit. And then uh, actually create a little bit of change and make a fucking statement. Love that. I love hearing, I love hearing and seeing that. But the response from Canada has been really insane and kind of like um shed some light on what people are willing to do to defend their ideology from a position of power um everything from the gofundme situation and locking up those funds of 10 million or so dollars uh to then doing the same thing with give fund go to then regulating cryptocurrencies which is not going to go away right so they've kind of broken the seal on on uh limiting some freedom there which is really scary and odd um because cryptocurrencies are better now in the wild west of cryptocurrencies, which we are still in, um, where they are unregulated. We can figure some things out. And yeah, people lose money, but like it is what it is. That's part of uh, that's part of this um, market sorting itself out. Um, so we're looking at this whole thing, and it's like this is getting real dystopian real quick. And I wanted to bring up a few things. Actually, Tucker Carlson popped up on my YouTube the other day. I don't listen to a lot of his stuff, but I uh, I listened to this one segment here, and he played this clip from Morning Joe that I thought was really interesting um of just joe scarborough saying doing doing what he does right which is parroting cia talking points and kind of being an establishment goon um i have a lot of disdain for this guy and i want you to hear what he has to say about these canadian trucker protests question though about oh, the liberal prime minister in canada no. seriously what? i'm sorry i'm sorry if i'm a mayor or i'm a prime minister your trucks get in my city street they're not gonna stay there a week yeah no 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 okay. no they're not gonna stay there's gonna be somebody with a stick and it's gonna be banging on the window it's gonna say you got one or two options you can move this thing or we're gonna cuff you and take you to jail and we're gonna impound this and we're gonna find your company move it or lose so it. move it or lose it so non-violent protesting non-violent protesting now will get you arrested based on joe scarborough if he was your mayor or your prime minister, right? Civil disobedience is now punishable by jail time in the opinion of uh, Joe 
Scarborough. And then this this kind of thing, Sager tweeted, tweeted this out. The Washington Post is contacting people whose donation info was leaked and who gave as little as $40 to the truckers to, a, and to ask them why they did so. Email provided to me by a source. says, hi, my name, uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm a reporter at the Washington Post, and I'm, I am writing about the leaked data on Give, Send, Go contributions to the trucker convoy in Canada. Your name and email address are associated with a $40 contribution. Could you please tell me if this matches your records and either call or apply to this email to share what motivated you to contribute to the campaign? So there was a hack and a leak, which I'm curious if any government institutions had the capacity to do that and pull the trigger on that little data leak and data dump. So now people's private information has been shared. Uh, people have, I think, lost their jobs. Um, it's been quite interesting. People have resigned over this um, complete, complete um, invasion of privacy. And <laughs> this doesn't like, this doesn't, this doesn't really bode well for where we're going. It doesn't at all. It's just really, people can look at this and be like, this is fucking crazy. But it's really scary in a certain way. Say okay, like you give to a an organization, like should so should we do the same thing with the Black Lives Matter organization? Because they have a, they're they're a clusterfuck right now. They've got sixty million dollars. Their accounting is a joke. Um, they've made a mockery of themselves. So should we leak that out? Right? Uh, why is it okay to invade people's privacy if you don't agree with them? That's never been okay. It's not okay from the right. It's not okay from the left. Well, we're seeing this now, and it's 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 scary. I mean, this is going, and this is this is get, make no mistake. This is a fear campaign, right? It's like, oh, if you do think that you're anonymous and donating to a cause that you believe in, that may not be the case. Maybe we'll leak your information, and maybe it will damage your life to support causes that you believe in if it undermines the uh, the the strength of the government, and that's fucking terrifying really terrifying and things like this are actually why I'm grateful that I have a platform and grateful that I have something even like the Patreon because we have a place to have this discussion, but you never know when that stuff can go away. Right. And based on the new uh, terror threats that we're going to be discussing later in the show, um, you know, I fit the category for somebody who might undermine faith in certain institutions and that may put me in thought prison for my rampant thought crimes. And that's that's scary. It is scary. But this is this is not bode well for us at all. This is some I don't want to call it dystopian, but it's fucking creepy. And to think about what to what we can do about it, I don't know. You know, Trudeau won, I didn't realize this, but only with like a third of the popular vote. And there was some parliamentary shenanigans that happened there. So he's not a very popular guy in Canada, apparently. But the 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 lockdowns and regulations have some support. I think 60% support. But I still don't think when it comes to, to health decisions that a sheer majority should dictate the, the, the health decisions of the rest of the country in any form or fashion. Right? This isn't – personal health isn't, a, isn't really subject to democracy <laughs> um, in the way that – you know, political leaders are. So it's an interesting situation here, but also terrifying. It's interesting. It's terrifying. It's not good. Um, I know that's some really in-depth, thoughtful commentary 
but I'm scared. Am I scared? I'm definitely tripping. This is weird. Let's move on. <laughs> so nothing that has to do with Afghanistan um, has not been a shit show. And this is, goes back not to 2021 or 2020. This goes way back. And that trend seems to be continuing here. Biden's Afghanistan council left the White House in January. Now he's poised to reap financial windfall from billions in seized Afghan assets. The U.S. seized your Afghanistan government funds after the Taliban took power has put millions at risk of starvation. It seems to me that we can't wrap our minds around as a country that we lost a war, right? And I remember not realizing that we lost the war in Vietnam until I was older <laughs> this is not it wasn't how it was taught that like we lost it wasn't that clear but that's the reality right and i fear that the kids growing up now will have the same feeling about afghanistan they'll have to find out in their early 20s oh we lost that war right not it wasn't it wasn't mutual you know what i'm saying <laughs> when you're like yeah that breakup was mutual it wasn't mutual we lost and we we have a hard time wrapping our minds around the fact that the taliban won we didn't we didn't win okay but in that transfer of power, we did seize $7 billion worth of assets from the Afghan Central Bank. And let's read a little bit more about that here from The Intercept. A lead attorney, a lead attorney for some families of 9-11 victims who sued the Taliban, plaintiffs could receive billions of dollars as a result of the Biden administration's decision to seize the reserves of the Afghan Central Bank. Also worked until January at the Biden White House on Afghanistan issues. Lee Walensky, co-chair of the uh, litigation department and the law firm Jenner Block LLP, was appointed to aid with Afghan evacuees in September 2021 and returned to his firm last month. After the fall of Kabul, the U.S. government seized the assets of the country's central, central bank. And last week, the administration announced it would hold half of the roughly $7 billion for families who had brought suit against the Taliban and deployed the other half to some under <laughs> undetermined point in time for the benefit of the Afghan people. So they're going to give them half of their money back to benefit the Afghan people. Interesting. On Monday, Walensky uh, himself signed a, signed a brief asking for the judges in the family's case against the Taliban to move forward with enforcing the settlement. The long-running lawsuit stands to be a lucrative payday for the high-powered attorneys working on the once-long-shot case. Lawyers often take a percentage of damages awarded, which in this case would easily put the payout in the hundreds of millions of dollars. So there's a conflict of interest here because Walensky uh, now works in the Biden administration and previously worked for a law, for, law firm that was going after uh, the Taliban for damages over September 11th for September 11th victims. Now, and their families, of course. Um, but these 9-11 victims who sued the Taliban, right, which was a long shot case, I guess there's some validity to that because they did have Osama bin Laden for a while, even though they offered to give him up. And try to make a deal with the U.S. government. The U.S. government's like, nah, we'll do it our way. And then it takes several years to get to that point where we could, you know, kill Osama bin Laden. But this is an interesting precedent, right? Because Afghanistan really didn't have anything to do with September 11th. We used it as a justification to invade their country and, and have seen the results of that, which have been fantastic. Um, <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Uh, but you're talking about people's money, right? You're not taking this money directly from the Taliban. Of course, there's some Taliban money involved in that asset seizure, but this is just people's money. This is the Afghani people. 
right? There's a shortage on cash there. They're, they're limited to $100 to $200 a week that they can withdraw from their own bank accounts because of, of this seizure. And you're going to language this as if you're releasing half of the money back for the benefit of the Afghan people. We fucking ruined their country, right? Like, I don't know, maybe throw a few million at the family that you blew up on the way out, the aid workers' family. Maybe they deserve a little bit of financial, uh, financial um, retribution. You know, like, why are we so like the, the people that were the most damaged from the war in Afghanistan that, that dealt with the most hurt from the war in Afghanistan were the civilians, right? It's kind of like a Game of Thrones situation. It's like the, 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 the peasants don't give a fuck who the king is. They just want to live their life and be safe. And we, we like to tell ourselves we provided that in some way to, to, to validate the death machine that, that runs out of our country. And I guess I can see why people would want to do that. But at the end of the day, we didn't do them or ourselves any favor by spending trillions of dollars, right? For what? To lose a war, which we're trying to do again, by the way. We're trying to get another, another war across the fucking world. Well, a lot of people in this country don't even have clean water. So we're trying, we're doing, the war machine does not know how to fucking stop. It's out of control. So here we are, and you think that it's justified to take money from the Afghan civilians to pay 9-11 victims. Did they have, the Afghan civilians had nothing to do with this. If that's the case, then maybe bring a suit against Saudi fucking Arabia, right? You know the place where they like kill American journalists and get away with it, hack them into pieces? Where like the, major, the vast majority of the hijackers on 9-11 were from? You know, that country. Could we do that? So should the next step for this law firm be to go after the Saudis? And there was some weird connections between some Saudi officials and some people that hijacked the planes. There's a lot of little sketch stuff going on there. And I wonder why we won't see that happen. That's the real question I have here. Not about this necessarily. This is kind of fucked up. <laughs> We've decimated, you know, we, we, we were deeply involved in the downfall of a country. We lost a war to the fucking Taliban, right? Which we go far enough back, we were giving those people weapons when they were the Mujahideen. But anyways, right? Because Russia's so evil. <laughs> now what we're doing is, is training uh, white supremacists in Ukraine, right? So <laughs> you can see the through line here. Um, so if we're going to do this, we're going to set this precedent, then go after the Saudis. Make it fair, Right? If we're just going to start, because here's what happens. Here's one thing that Israel is better at than us. Whenever Israel was coming up in the 50s and very insecure, when the Mossad was put together, they went out and became a killing machine. Okay? They killed anyone that was an enemy of the state. They are a fucking hit squad. They are probably better than the CIA, given that the CIA tried to assassinate um, that Cuban dude like 87 times, right? And couldn't pull it off. Um, but the Mossad was highly effective at getting rid of their adversaries. I mean, they killed the, the, the Iranian nuclear guy, the nuclear weapons lead, with a robot machine gun out of the back of a truck. Like, they're pretty advanced. They got some things figured out. And it's targeted. Right? Targeted. Whereas we, on the other hand, decide to... Um, <laughs> 
aid the rise of extremism and undermine the well-being of an entire country for retribution, (laughs) for payback, for vengeance. In this scenario, one of the very few scenarios where I'll say, yeah, Israel does a way better job with the Mossad than we do with the CIA. Because at least it's targeted, and at least the people that are responsible are the ones that are punished. Right? And maybe a few civilians die along the way, which has happened. Little mistaken identity action. But, you know, I guess when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. That's what it seems like to me. And the way we're handling this is is <laughs> not surprising, but embarrassing. That's what it seems like to me. It's more embarrassing than anything else. You're just like, is this really how we're doing this? From the Afghanistan withdrawal, which was going to be a shit show because the entire war has been a shit show. I don't know why anybody had any expectation of anything else. Didn't matter who did it. It was going to be a shit show. It's probably why Trump didn't do it because it was going to be a shit show. And you have to pay account for that. That's why it's been kicked, the, the can's been kicked down the road because it was political suicide. That's why it took someone who's barely alive and Joe Biden to make it happen because he was probably forgot it happened the next day. But it's the only thing that worthwhile that he's done in office. So here we go. We're going to seize money from Afghanistan civilians and their central bank to further undermine their recovery from the war that we started in their country over something they didn't do. Makes sense, right? It makes sense as long as you don't think about it too much. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Elemental Labs. Guys, I'm sipping on an element right now. And I'll tell you, the other day I went out, uh, Kelly and I went out, and I think I had like three tequilas. I usually drink Casamigo Trepasado when I go out places. And we went out and had a couple drinks with some friends. And man, three tequilas does more damage to me than it used to. But knowing that a primary cause of that hangover feeling is dehydration, I hammered an element, like a big-ass mason jar full of water and element, and it saved my life. That's because it's bioavailable electrolytes without the sugar and the bullshit like a sports drink. I know a lot of you people are like, oh, I'm hungover, drink Pedialyte. Like, stop, stop, stop. You're not in college anymore. Grow the fuck up, okay? Here we go. We got, let's just look, I have an element pack right here that I'm drinking out of. Salt, sodium chloride, citric acid, magnesium malate, potassium chloride, natural flavors, and stevia leaf extract. You can pronounce everything. Nothing crazy in here. No red dye number three or blue dye number 12. None of that nefarious bullshit. This is created by Rob Wolf, who had such a humongous impact in the way that we view health and wellness today from a very straightforward perspective, eat real food. This is created by the guy, one of the pioneers of suggesting that maybe we eat real food, that maybe we prioritize protein, and maybe we're actually not getting enough salt. And maybe, just maybe, drinking this stuff during your workout, after you've been sweating your ass off, while on a hike, before the gym, If you're doing a keto or low-carb situation, it's fucking great. You need these things in your body, guys. And if you haven't tried them yet, I've got a gift for you. Go to drinkelement, D-R-I-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash wanders. 
and you're going to get a variety pack. All you have to do is cover shipping. It's $5 shipping. You're going to get a variety pack of their favorite, of my favorite flavors, their best flavors, the most popular flavors, so you can try it out. And then I suggest loading up on watermelon and grapefruit because those are my favorites right now. But if you like chocolatey stuff and you're into that kind of thing, the chocolate and the chocolate mint are meant to be drank and hot. So in the wintertime here, it's nice to have a little ch- cup of hot chocolate that has no sugar and satiates your electrolyte needs. Outstanding company, guys. Outstanding company. Honestly, I want to invest in this company. Can somebody allow me to just give Element some money because they have got such a great thing going on? I mean, I love them. All you have to do is go to drinkelement.com slash wanders. Link is in the show notes, or you can type it in. Whatever you want to do, you can do it while you're listening to the show and get that variety pack for five bucks, y'all. You will thank me later. If you have an active lifestyle or if you're eating something that's like keto, paleo, or carnivore style, more of a low carb situation, this will support you. It also helps you curve cravings or it helps me. This is a subjective experience, totally anecdotal, but at night I snack too much. Okay. It's a problem. I've been that way since I was a kid and having something that that's palatable and kind of sweet and kind of tart and that saltiness satiates those cravings in a big way. And I really appreciate that. It's helped me because I'm trying to get my shit back together now that I'm not all injured and beat up anymore. And I've been in the gym a lot. I've been feeling good, been feeling right. And element has helped me along the way. So drink element.com slash wanders, get that variety pack. And I've also got to tell you about our other show sponsor who is here supporting independent content and free speech. They're called cured nutrition and they are the best CBD company in the game. They operate with a metric fuck ton of integrity. Okay. These guys are doing an amazing job. I know the CEO and founder. He's a rad dude. He's always updating us on what they're doing, how they're working guys. There's some Valentine's Day special stuff going on. If you're if you're if your significant other is into nutrition and health and wellness, grab them a pack. Okay. Now, what I like when my favorite bang for your buck uh, package is on here is their daily dose bundle, which is the Rise Aura and Zen um, raw CBD capsules. I do like the capsules more than the tinctures myself, but they do thing like create a cognitive enhancement, protect your gut lining encourage a healthy gut microbiome, which is just absolutely crucial if you're talking about living a healthy life. I mean, your gut dictates so much of your behavior, your your energy levels. It's insane. I mean, just look up how much your gut does for your day-to-day life. It's insane. I mean, just it's nuts, okay? And Aura does a lot to help protect that gut lining and promote a healthy butt gut biome as well as boosts immune function. And then Zen... It's something I take before bed. It encourages relaxation, combats stress, promotes uh, REM deep and deep sleep cycles, and it's not it's not like a drowsy inducing thing. You know, it just like gives you some good sleep, especially when I'm recording late at night and I get all amped up, like you guys know that I do. I need something to kind of bring me back down a little bit, and sometimes it's a little bit of weed mixed with a little bit of Zen. So, guys, all you gotta do. Go to curednutrition.com. The link is in the show notes. Use promo code HOMELESS, and you're going to get 10% off your entire order plus free shipping. So C-U-R-E-D, nutrition.com. Check it out. Link is in the show notes. Both amazing companies, both doing a lot to bolster and support people that are putting out independent content and speaking freely, and that's one of the reasons I love them, aside from the fact their products are outstanding. So support our sponsors, support the show, and... Better yourself along the way. It's a fucking win, 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 win. What are you waiting for? Links from the show notes. Check it out. Now let's get back to the show. So there's some great news for everybody. Um, you 
me, well, many people in the audience and myself, um, could now be considered domestic terrorists. Yay. This national terrorism advisory system, which I'm sure was, I'm not positive, but I have a feeling this was put behind the like red, yellow, green uh, threat levels after 9-11. The fear tactics, the, the COVID death tickers of the time, right of the early 2000s, the, the threat level orange situation. Uh, it's funny that I remember all those times. It's weird, weird dark times. But this summary of the terrorism threat to the U.S. homeland is really interesting. We're going to break this down. So it says the United States remains in a heightened threat environment fueled by several factors, including an online environment filled with false or misleading narratives and conspiracy theories and other forms of mis, dis, and malinformation, also known as MDM introduced and or amplified by foreign or domestic threat actors. These threat actors seek to exacerbate social friction and sow discord to undermine public trust in government institutions and encourage unrest, which could potentially inspire acts of violence. Sounds a lot like the CIA to me. Uh, mass casualty attacks and other acts of vi- of uh, targeted violence conducted by lone offenders or small groups acting in furtherance of ideological beliefs and or personal grievances pose an ongoing threat to the nation. While the conditions underlying the heightened threat landscape have not significantly changed over the last year, the convergence of the following factors has increased the volatility, unpredictability, and complexity of the threat environment. The proliferation of false or misleading narratives which sow discord or undermine public trust in U.S. government institutions. The proliferation of false or misleading narratives which sow discord or undermine public trust in U.S. government institutions. Institutions. So you're saying that if I undermine trust in the CIA, in the NSA, in the overreach of the United States government, that I am now a terrorist threat. And based on some decisions that Obama made, I could be detained indefinitely on suspicion of threats of violence. That are decided upon by who? The same institutions that I'm undermining? Interesting. Continued called for violence dictated at directed at U.S. critical infrastructure, soft targets, and mass gatherings, faith-based institutions such as churches, synagogues, and mosques, institutions of higher education, uh, racial or religious minorities, government facilities and personnel, including law enforcement and the military, the media. Wow, the media and perceived ideological opponents and three calls by foreign terrorist organizations for attacks on the United States based on recent events. But we can all believe, understand what they're talking about January 6th. Um, so let's look at mis, dis, and malinformation. The CISA's mis, dis, and malinformation team is charged with building National resistance to mis, dis, and malinformation and foreign influence act through, <laughs> excuse me, and foreign influence activities through these the efforts. The CISA helps the American people understand the scope and scale of MDMM activities targeting elections and critical critical infrastructure and enabling them to take ap- actions to mitigate associated risks. I wonder what those actions to mitigate associated risks could possibly be. Guantanamo Bay, <laughs> the MDM team was formerly known as the Countering Foreign Influence Task Force. So the MDM team now is, instead of being focused on foreign influence, is turning its attention inward. 
So all those things that were enacted as uh, protections against terrorism and were focused outside the country are now being pointed inward at our domestic terror threat towards American civilians. Interesting. Uh, okay, so let's go down. What is MDM? So we should get some clarity on these definitions because they could, um, you know, infringing upon these uh, uh, thought crimes. Is what, that's the only way to really call them. Um, could wind you into a detention center. That's that's kind of where we're going here. And I'm not being conspiratorial. That's, that's what this shit says. Misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation make up what CISA defines as information activities. Okay. So I'm trying to grasp this as you are in real time. Information activities are now terrorism. <laughs> when this type of content is released by foreign actors, it can be referred to as foreign influence. Definitions for each are below. Misinformation is false, but not created or shared with the intention of causing harm. So that's probably like memes, like funny memes are now misinformation. Uh, <laughs> disinformation is deliberately created to mislead, harm, or manipulate a person, social group, organization, or country. Okay. Malinformation is based on fact, but used out of context to mislead, harm, or manipulate. Like what? Like we need examples of what? Because that's like, who decides what context is necessary? Mark Zuckerberg? Right? That's weird. Foreign and domestic threat actors use MDMM campaigns to cause chaos, confusion, and divisions. Again, sounds a lot like what's right out of the CIA's playbook. These malign actors are seeking to interfere and undermine our democratic institutions and national cohesiveness. Um, excuse me? Do we have national cohesiveness? It seems like the only national cohesiveness we have at the leadership level is um, a united front to start more fucking wars. That, that's that's where the national cohesive begin cohesiveness begins and ends as of right now, and none of these institutions that we're undermining have fucking helped. So if your goal in in keeping people from undermining institutions is to create national cohesiveness, you're delusional. The resources provided at the bottom of this page will provide blah blah blah. blah. Okay, <coughs> so here's where we're at. This broad net of domestic terrorism definition, this, this, this situation is a slippery fucking slope. And people need to wake up to this. I mean, simply being wrong about a thing, right? Or believing something that's not true and sharing it on social media, which this is highly focused on social media and online activities. Could lead to what? Right? We've seen, well, they shut the Patreon down. They come for your livelihood. That's how this happens. They, they, they can't do anything else. They just come for your livelihood. It's like, well, they can't make any money. They can't do shit. Right? That's the world we live in. So what are the justified actions based on this definition, these definitions? What are the justified actions and what do they look like and how will those manifest themselves? And who will be doing the decision-making? Because here's the thing. You may be a liberal, right? You may be a liberal or a hardcore Democrat and say, this is great. Misinformation and disinformation are, and malinformation, I guess, are, are, are eroding our society. 
right? We need to be protected from this, this, this poison. Well, then you need to be okay with Trump wielding this power or any other, or Ron DeSantis, or any other conservative. And if conservatives are pissed about this now, they also need to be pissed about it when they're in power. Because that likely won't happen. It's very unlikely you're going to get a president and say, like, oh, well, uh, give me less power. Give, me le- give the executive branch less power. If I was president, that'd be my entire platform. If I was running for president, I'd be like, my, I'm going to get in there and, and shrink the power of the executive to where it's supposed to be. But, you're never going to see that because the people that make it to that position are so egoic and narcissistic that they think that they're, they're, they're the people to wield this gigantic power instead of understanding that that's not the position for anybody to be in. And that power needs to be diminished and it's, it's, it's outgrown its capacity to do good. So this will be wielded against political opponents. That's exactly what this is going to be used for. It's going to be wielded by whatever administration is in power against political opponents which runs contrary to what the founding fathers of this nation wanted to create. And people won't see that when their team is in power. When their team is in power and they're not being persecuted for their ideologies or their beliefs or their decisions, they'll think it's fine. But when the other team is in power, they'll just be crying about it. And that's where we see this, this, this massive hypocrisy within our country. And it's really frustrating to me to not understand that when power is expanded, it's very rarely contracted. And if you're okay with it when your team is in charge, you need to be okay with it when the other team is in charge too. Or do it like we're doing it and don't pick a fucking team and act on principle. But hey, that might be too much to ask, right? wanted to show you this guy because people are really cr- proud of their vaccination status and what's going on and how, you know, you like, you see this a lot. It's kind of like virtue signaling. I, I'm uh, boosted and comedians try and do this, especially comedians that aren't that funny. So we have Heather, Heather McDonald here, um, who is at the improv. looks like at the improv in LA, um, doing her set, you know, just kind of working out some things, talking about being boosted. Let's just check this out and see how this goes. Brag, I don't care, but I want you to know double vaxxed booster flu shot and i'm gonna be honest i have the shingle shot too and i still get my period what yes traveled went to mexico twice did shows meet and greets never got covid clearly jesus loves me the most seriously so nice so nice So what looked like comedic timing and part of the bit, which if you watch how hard her head gets the ground, uh, it's a hard ground. Uh, people are like, oh, that's funny. But then you realize, oh, no, she passed the fuck out. Let's continue. We've got people coming over to try to help her. They're calling 911. So they roll her over here. Really sad stuff to we see. We looked back, and I did get the booster. Um, so here is her, Heather McDonald, talking to Dr. Drew, 
Now, judging by what we're seeing here in this video, um, looks like her lips and face have also been vaccinated heavily. So I think she may have uh, three shots of Moderna in each lip. And um, yeah, her face is so shiny and kind of weird looking. Anyways, let's continue. Mm -hmm. Which I had double Pfizer and Moderna booster um, mm -hmm. three weeks to the day of the fall. Is there anything yeah. that you've seen about time-wise? Because, uh, you know, when I asked the doctors two to, about two to that, three. they said, oh, normally. Okay, go ahead. Two to, two to three weeks. Two to three weeks is where you see really? a lot of this stuff. I have a friend. I have a friend that got the booster, and he is he got really destroyed by it. He still can't walk across the room. He's having all kinds of symptoms. There's a lot of funny stuff. Uh, we don't really know what it all is and where it's coming from, but it's still worth doing it. I, I'm not. Is it? Is it though for most people? Is it worth doing it? I'm not at the point where I'm saying that it's it's still worth the risk, but it's got a lot of funny side effects and and syncope. It's called fainting is one of them, and I think it's yeah. from the POT syndrome, P O T T S. And so, and I was worried. What I wanted to check was to make sure you didn't have any evidence of myocarditis. Um, you know, when you were you were is, you know that's why I wanted that. Which is an inflammation of the heart, and it changes the way the heart muscle okay. functions a little bit. And that's that's why I was red hot on that echocardiogram. Right. Yeah. I mean. So. You know. What can I do now? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm going to get the fourth booster, though. I will say that. <laughs> there, there yeah, is I would hope not. not. I, think I would hope not. There's not yet evidence. There's not I'm science done. for that I yet. Think I'm sure. done right now. If you were 80, if you were 80, we'd be talking. I, I literally talked about it to my 75 and 80 year old patients this morning that I was telling them, eh, I think you're going to probably need it. You don't need it. There's no evidence for that. But the other thing that happened is you got a multi million dollar stroke workup, man. They did so much. Yeah, let's listen to this part too, because this is the thing. If you're wealthy, you can get a multi-million dollar covered by your health insurance, of course, uh, workup that is super intense and advanced. If you're not, if you're an Amazon warehouse worker and you pass out on the job, well, you just get unpaid leave. That's what happens. They did an MRI, MRA. They did you know, vascular studies of your neck and your heart. They, they did a great, huge workup on you. You must have been in that MRI scanner a lot. Yeah, I think I went in a couple times, and then the, they did ultrasound for the heart and the neck area. You know, they came yeah. in, and um, yeah, I mean, I didn't know. I mean, that was my scary thing when they were like, "Okay, you're going to spend the night in the ICU," and I was like, "Oh, geez," you know. And then they're like, "And we have to give you this sponge bath and all this stuff so that you're ready to go in case we have to do a procedure." And I was like, "Whoa, I, am I going to wake up with like a shaven head, and you guys are going to like do an emergency brain surgery?" Like. That's what I was like, do I need my husband here? Because I, I don't want that to happen. I don't want to die. But like, and then they were like, no, 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 that, that won't happen. I was like, okay. Cause I was scared. Like, do I have some ticking time bomb? Do I have some brain tumor? I didn't know about. I mean that. Yeah. It's terrifying. It's super terrifying. And I feel for the person who's in this situation, Heather, hope the best for you. I mean, she fractured her skull on the ground. Like this is nuts. Um, but this was bound to happen, right? This is bound to happen with someone in the public view that they're going to be like, oh, consequences, right? There's no free lunch when it comes to your own biology. You start altering things and playing with things and overdoing things and, and working on maybe some short-sighted science. Um, bad things can happen. So I think in the whole, it's good for people to see, hey, see like this isn't consequence-free for everyone. 
Now, is it rare? Are you probably going to be fine if you get the booster? Yeah, of course. But be mindful of that first two or three weeks, like Dr. Drew said, right? Which, now, if someone else said this on uh, social media or YouTube, they might get deplatformed. But since it's Dr. Drew, you can get away with it, right? But I, I thought that was worth sharing in a really interesting and sad situation. So as you guys know, I've become more of a uh, fan of Bill Maher in the past in the past uh, few months. And his, I, I want to finish off the state of things with this segment of his. Um, it's a little bit longer. It's a new rule segment. But I think it really sums up where so many of us are at. So many of us are in, in exactly this place with the this same criticism, especially if you're from the left because you're just fed up and you feel like your team has betrayed you and this is a complete ridiculous nonsense. Like... And I've said this a number of times, and I'm going to get hate for it in the comments. I don't care. When I voted for Biden, what I thought the most logical thing would happen, this was my this was my kind of Occam's razor. I was like, all right, one, you might get a public option, legal marijuana, maybe that'd be cool. That could be that could work. He ran on it. Don't really trust him to, to fulfill on those things, but maybe. And if that doesn't happen, right, those things don't happen. Well, you're going to see a complete folding and catastrophe within the Democratic Party, which is what I wanted to see. Okay, do I think it was going to be as bad as it is? No, but it's happening, right? That part is happening, which I think in the long term will be a good thing. All right, so we got to keep that in mind. That's what I was going for. But the way they handle COVID, I thought they would get into office and be like, hey, because we're in office now, COVID is healed and everybody's good. We can be done now. Take the win, right? Because it was already getting pretty clear to where this is going. Like, do your thing for a couple months and pretend like you're doing something for something that really you can't do much about and take credit for the vaccine, even though you weren't really responsible for it. And um, take the win, right? Take the political win, take the popular win. Um, but no, that didn't happen. And we're still doing this shit, you know, going into the midterms, which is obnoxious um, and frustrating as fuck. So <laughs> when we look at this, it's like, all right, that, that didn't really happen. But this is dismantling of the Democratic Party. And you're seeing it from within, from establishment figures like Bill Maher, who do have a lot of sway and do rub elbows with the kind of people that make decisions. So let's get into this um, apply a precision to the pandemic new rule from Bill. And finally, new rules. Someone needs to explain to me, why is bombing the only thing America can do with precision? <laughs> we can send a laser-guided missile down an ISIS tunnel from a drone at 25,000 feet. We can put one through a window without even rustling the curtains. When it comes to killing machines, we're an atomic clock. For everything else, we're a sundial in the fog. After 9-11, we could have done what Israel would have done, hunted down the people actually involved and reinforced the cockpit doors on planes. Precision. Done. Who wants ice cream? But no, we spent trillions attacking the wrong country and creating a giant homeland security bureaucracy. We've now spent decades in airport lines taking off our shoes while TSA agents pat down babies and grandmas. They say, if you see something, say something. I see us afraid to identify threats by likelihood and bleeding ourselves dry, just like Bin Laden wanted us to. Yep. When people ask me, why are you so skeptical of what the medical establishment tells us? I say, because I've seen them react to a virus before. By 1987, 
CDC officials pretty much knew how HIV was spreading and who was in danger. Now, of course, there's no moral dimension to this, despite what Pat Robertson used to say. Gay sex is just as loving, natural, and salutary as the other kind, but science can be arbitrary. And instead of being precise and focusing on who should be protected, we launched a fear campaign about how AIDS was going to explode into the heterosexual community. Oprah Winfrey summed up what people were hearing when she said, research studies now project one in five heterosexuals could be dead from AIDS by 1990. Doesn't that sound so familiar? And you know who was in charge of that, right? Our boy Fauci. Like, doesn't this just mirror that in so many ways? Not accepting who's at risk. You know what? Let's let Bill say it. But that didn't happen. And the upshot of bad information was that in the late 1980s, low-risk Americans were swamping testing facilities and diverting our attention and energy away from the truly at-risk. Huh. New York in 2020 learned the hard way how much better precision would have been in prioritizing protecting the nursing homes. Contrary to popular lore, COVID is not Russian roulette. Of course, any virus, anything, can kill anyone at any time. But we know who COVID kills. 75% of COVID deaths are people 65 and older. 98 to 99% are unvaccinated. 78% who've died or been hospitalized were overweight. If you're obese and unvaccinated, or 85 and still crowd surfing at music festivals, <laughs> Yes, this will likely go badly for you. But at some point... But at some point, that has to stop being my responsibility. Doesn't it make more sense to focus on helping the vulnerable stay safe and let the rest of us go back to living normal lives? There's always going to be another variant. We can't go on forever in permanent hair on fire, cancel Christmas, hand jobs through a hazmat suit. <laughs> Freak the fuck out mode. I haven't been to my office in two years. That ficus needs water. President Biden's handling of the pandemic started off polling pretty well, but now a majority disapprove. It's time to do what a growing list of countries have done and announce we're going back to something more like normal, beginning with recognizing that what we're doing to kids is unnecessary and horrible, and I don't even like kids. <laughs> But making kids who have a COVID survivability rate of 99.98% mask up like bandits, unfortunately, the thing that's getting stolen is their education, their sanity, and their social skills. A study this week from a professor at Johns Hopkins concluded that the lockdowns we all suffered through had little impact in reducing COVID deaths. Okay, that's kind of a big one to get wrong. Last July, President Biden said, you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Well, I already knew that was wrong then, and now we all do. The former director of the CDC, Robert Redfield, believes COVID originated in a lab. And now our intelligence agencies agree it might have. 
but for months on social media, it was banned to even discuss it. Look, I'm not saying the medical establishment isn't trying to figure shit out or that they're corrupt, although there is some of that. <laughs> but... <clears throat> but how about just wrong? <laughs> wrong a lot. It could just be that simple, right? Just wrong. You're just wrong. You have a track record of being wrong about shit. And that might influence my decision-making when it comes to listening to what the fuck you have to say. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. It might be, but it doesn't have to be. Wrong about HIV, wrong about lockdowns, wrong about kids, wrong about how you couldn't get it if you were vaccinated. Remember washing our packages? And there's never been any research showing that outdoor transmission is likely or common, yet L.A. County says we're still supposed to mask up for big outdoor events, like we'll be at the Super Bowl. Well, <laughs> supposed to. It's all theater, watching athletes mix it up on the court and then mask on the sideline, not being able to touch a menu, but watching them touch my food. <laughs> Maskless at dinner while sitting but not standing. And by the way, if Applebee's really cared about our health, they would make us cover our mouths after the food arrived. <laughs> I, I'm just asking, how much wrong do you get to be while still holding the default setting for people who represent the science? Oof. Eat eggs, then don't, then do. Take aspirin, then don't, then do. The food pyramid. Really? This is where it all started with me, by the way. Where it all started <laughs> was this fucking food pyramid and figuring out how that thing came to be what it was and still kind of is. They just kind of put a giraffe on it and like made it a little bit different and changed the shape of it, but it's still bullshit. Um, when essentially it's, it's upside down. It's upside down. And I like how they put um, fats, oils, and sweets at the top, as if those things at all are related. Fats, oils, and sweets are in one category. That tells you everything you need to know about how fucking ridiculous that thing is. Bread and milk every day. Okay, you do you. Fifteen years ago, they were recommending trans fats. Now they're illegal. <laughs> Just like almost 100 prescription drugs, which were once called safe and effective and then yanked off the market because they were not. It reminds Weird. me of how the Republicans are constantly doing traitorous things like trying to steal elections and inviting the Russians into the Oval Office and somehow are still known as the party of patriotism. We've had this problem in medicine for a long time. The same people who in private care always say, get a second opinion, want to allow only one in the public debate. But plainly, the medical industrial complex has not earned the right to claim monopoly status on information about this virus or medicine in general. Boom. Boom. 
the medical industrial complex has not earned the right to have monopoly power over information. And that is what people like I have been saying for so long. People like me, people like you. It's like, hey man, you're not trustworthy, okay? It's the same. It's a, it's like going back to an abusive relationship. He's going to hit you again. It's the same fucking thing. And why, why is that so hard to wrap your mind around? So crazy. Yes, free speech has allowed people to hear misinformation sometimes. And a lot of it was yours. Ooh. Bill Maher. That's my favorite new rule that I think I've ever seen. Did a great job. Summed it up perfectly. Summed it up perfectly. Exactly how so many of us are feeling, how frustrated we are, and we've been gaslit and told we were crazy about so many things. When you break it all down, when you look at HIV, you look at the drugs that have been pulled, you look at the safe and effective this and that that is no longer safe and effective. You look at the way they treated the food pyramid. That fat made you fat. That you could literally eat nothing but fat and be lean as shit. (laughs) People do it all the time. It's called keto gains. It's a thing. I mean, come on. You have these assholes out here that, 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 that think that there's such thing as an essential carbohydrate, right? Because of the bullshit that we were told. That's not true. It's objectively, patently false. There is no such thing as an essential carbohydrate. We can break that down in a different show if you want. But uh, the trust wasn't earned. And maybe there was some point where it was lost, but in my lifetime, the trust wasn't earned. And I have zero interest in trusting institutions that have proven themselves to be liars or just wrong. Whether that's about WMDs or whether that's about medicine and health. And no, I don't trust general physicians or doctors at large when it comes to health. Fitness and health professionals know more about health than doctors do. Maybe there's a gap in the other direction when we're talking about tr- when we talk about treating illnesses. I could concede that. But when it comes to health, one of the last people on my list of, of, of trusted resources is a general fucking physician or a doctor. Maybe I'm crazy. But maybe I'm right. Look at who's improving people's lives. Is it doctors? Or is it people that are providing resources and current information about what it takes to be healthy? What you can do to empower yourself to take care of your health. Maybe it's just a differing philosophy on how you look at things. But either way, it's caused a fucking mess, a shitstorm in our country. And you have to look at this as somebody who's pro-vax, right? And say, hey, pro-COVID-vax, not just vax in general because those are separate things. And say, hey, you have to concede that what he said was not wrong. It wasn't wrong, right? So maybe I'm as justified in my decision-making as you are in yours. And maybe we could have a little bit of mutual respect for each other because we can all acknowledge that the trust from these institutions was not earned and they do not have 
the bandwidth to decide what is proper discourse when it comes to health. And now it's time for that part of the show where I give you something to think about. Let's do it. So we looked at that polling from our uh, our trusted trusted pollsters over at CNN, but that polling that shows us now that it's pretty unpopular for either Trump or Biden to be the candidate for either party in 2024, right? And we saw the name Ron DeSantis get floated, and you're seeing other people kind of start to rise to the top as far as potential contenders. And that'll go back and forth, and that has a lot of uh, wiggle room as far as where that can go. We've seen that pattern before. But this is going to be a short segment here because all I want to challenge you to do is look forward and look past COVID when it comes to the decision-making of who you're going to support. When When it comes to making that decision. Now, uh, there's a book called The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt. And I've been I'm thinking about halfway through it now. And we need to understand something about human nature. Okay, Confirmation bias runs a lot of our decision making. We see what we want to see. The, our intuition kind of makes its mind up and then our rational thinker kind of justifies why we want the thing. Right? It's a huge driver. It's actually something that's kept us alive and helped us evolve to where we are today but it can also get in your way. So what I'm encouraging you to do and giving you this idea to think about, think this through, okay? And this requires a little bit of self-observation. But look at the way you're making decisions. Look at where your gut's pulling you right now and notice when you're rationalizing those beliefs and those wants and those desires that are based on your intuition, And see if you can step back outside of that just a little bit and look past what's emotionally driving you right now. Because it's likely that what's emotionally driving you right now won't be as relevant in two years. But it might still have those emotional roots inside of your decision making. So what we need to do as a whole, in my opinion, and what I want you to think about is Withholding judgment and staying objective through the emotional tense, the emotional shitstorm. <laughs> I can't really think of any, any other better word to say here than just this emotional disaster, right? That we're living through right now. A lot of judgment, a lot of fear, a lot of shame being thrown around. All these things are going to create defensiveness and self righteousness and these other narcissism, even in certain ways, right? Manipulation. These things are going to manifest through our emotional and intuitive pulls to tribalism and to even the desire to feel safe when you've been lied to about a threat. This happens on all sides. So what I want you to think about are ways that you can zoom out, step back, observe yourself, and stay objective as we go into a time 
we're going to be making decisions about the future of this country and take that responsibility seriously. And if someone's trying to drive you emotionally to make a decision that they want you to make, automatically put that person as a second-tier influence in your life. And let the people who try to drive you right, and who inform you rationally and pragmatically and honestly, let those people rise to the surface as far as who's influencing you in your decision-making process. It's a really important part of personal discernment and personal responsibility. We've got to, we, we love throwing that term personal responsibility around, especially for my friends on the right. But that a lot of that has to do with the kind of content you consume and who you let drive your decisions. Now, we all say, like, think that we, we, we make our own decisions and we think for ourselves and we're free thinkers. That only goes to a certain point and we need to be honest about that as well. So healthy discernment and a quality filter on who you're letting influence you and remaining objective and holding back judgment until it's necessary and that you have all the information that you can possibly gather to create that discernment. And that's how you can trust yourself and trust others to make the right decisions. And know that even if you don't agree, you're making decisions from the same place. But it's something to think about. Maybe that was confusing. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> We're doing it here. I got up early this morning. Got to fly to Austin today. But first, I got to go plow my driveway and shovel some snow. Because it dumped on us last night. Not the best timing in the world. But I love you guys. Support our sponsors. Join the Patreon. And keep your head on straight. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>